good. We got a good show for you today. Welcome to the Vol Bros. My name is Evan. This is my brother, Rustin, and we are two Vol Bros. We are actually brothers who like the Vol, so that's the name. Uh, we are very excited to have with us today a very special guest, and Rustin is going to introduce him. Rustin, why don't you introduce our guest today? Yeah, uh, today we have former Vol Rob Murphy joining us. Uh, Rob played at Brentwood Academy in Nashville, Tennessee for the legendary George Pitts and then went on to Lipscomb University um, and played, played a couple of years at Lipscomb and then um, is one of the few Vols who actually played for both Conzo Martin and Bruce Pearl. Um, so interesting dynamic there, basically spending time with Satan and the devil uh, and, and an angel. Um, and so, you know, he has, he has, he's going to tell us the two stories today that he's able to say publicly about Bruce Pearl. So that'll be fun. Um, but uh, Rob is also the founder um, and, and uh, CEO of Affinity Recruiting and Consulting. And I have the benefit of getting to work with Rob. And, and so it's, we have a lot of fun just sitting and talking basketball and telling stories and um, keeping up with, with Tennessee basketball and, um, who are now, according to Ken Palm, the number two team in America. Um, so, you know, excited to hear his thoughts on on the Vols and and on all things basketball. Um, but more importantly, the 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 two stories that he's able to tell about Bruce. Um, excited to hear that as well. Well, thank Hello. you guys for having me. Um, you know, it, it, I do love the Vols, and I am very excited about our current team. Uh, we, we had some pretty good teams back in the day, too, and uh, looking forward to, to sharing whatever you guys want me to share. Well, Rob, so I, have a, I have a surprise for you to start off our, our time. You didn't know we were going to do this. Okay. Um, you mentioned back in the day. So I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but I'm going to share my screen. Uh, did you know that there is still a photo album of you <laughs> on Tennessee's website? <laughs> So I did not. I, I think we're going to need you to take us through some of these photos here. Like, <laughs> hey, I mean this this one. It almost looks like you're running the point on this one here, Rob. Yeah, I mean that's very astute of you, Evan. Uh, that is what that looks like. And I can tell you that <laughs> my facial expression is of someone who doesn't normally go in the game. I am a deer in the headlights right here. I believe this is when Kentucky came to town. And I got to, you know, spend 30 seconds of my life guarding Anthony Davis, who <laughs> is better than me. <laughs> I, think, I think that's a fair assessment. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that, this Is that UNC Greensboro? Is that who that's in that photo? Yeah, that looks right. This looks almost posed. I'm not sure how it's even possible for me to look so posed in an in-game action shot. It looks like I'm holding that pose in the green room for my team photo with that, like, trying to su suppress a smile face right there. But, yeah, that looks like some live action. <laughs> I love this one. Look at Rob bringing the energy from the bench, man. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Feed the floor, baby. Feed the floor. Okay, I am feeding the floor, and uh, I have to say, I've actually never seen that photo. So I'll thank be honest, you so much I didn't, for sharing that with the world, Evan. I'll be honest, I didn't know he found these either. I'm seeing this for the first time too. <laughs> good Here's, times. That's what I'm talking about right there. That's that's a good one there. You know, actually, I don't know how many of uh, your listeners are fans of The Office, but Evan, if you want to go back a couple of photos to the bench photo. Does anybody remember the episode of The Office when 
Andy and Dwight's billboards get defaced because, as Jim put it, there was an opportunity there that someone took advantage <laughs> of. Well, I hate to say that a similar opportunity has been presented here. That's as far as I'll go with that. <laughs> now, this one intrigues me. Uh, how, how many times are you made available to the media, Rob? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Evan. You know, it was probably once a year. My quotes were so good, they couldn't handle too much of it. <laughs> and then, I, that's, a, that's a good one there now. Oh, that's that needs to be on a wall. I is agree. that in Pratt or is that in Stokely? I'm going to put that picture on my four-year-old daughter's wall in her bedroom. So if she thinks <laughs> any monsters are in the room, she can see me scaring them away. <laughs> now, I think we got one more here. Oh, we got two more, oh, actually. That's, that's, a, that's a sharp one there. I remember that. I think that was... I think uh, that was on. a picture that uh, got me my wife, <laughs> Lindsay Murphy. My favorite part of this one is that the arm, the hand is under the arm, so we can push the bicep out and make it look bigger. Hundred percent. That's, that's quality. That's quality posing right there. You've taken a team photo before, Rustin. You know how it works. Oh yeah, yeah. You gotta have the right but angle. This is the one that's my favorite right here, because okay. I know the story behind this already. Uh, Jarnell Stokes and Jordan McRae were like, Rob, man, we really want to get a photo with you. Can you please give us a, some time here and get a photo? And you acquiesced and, and allowed them to. I think that's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. This, this, <laughs> picture this picture is actually in both of their lockers and in, in their NBA locker rooms. Yeah. They have this hanging on the wall. And I uh, just as a side note here, Having been in the same room with Rob before, I can confirm he is a tall guy. <laughs> so another thing about this photo is this just shows, gives you some perspective. Like Rob's six eight, is that right, Rob? You're six eight. Yep. And so you know this photo right here just shows you just how tall Division One basketball players are. Because I mean, if Rob walks into any room, like we were at a, a restaurant in Birmingham a couple months ago, or not Birmingham, Huntsville. And he walks in any room. He's definitely the tallest guy in the room. And right here, he's just like one of the guys, you know, like one of the, one of the one of the guys. It's yeah, it's crazy to see Jordan McRae like that because he's a shooting guard. I mean, yeah, that's that's what I was about to say. He's a shooting guard. Got himself a ring with the Cavaliers. Um, and yeah, man could get a bucket. So does, I just wanted to, speak to the. It does speak to the, the sheer size. Of, of individuals when you get to the power five and when you get to the NBA, I mean, it's, that's the part people just have no concept of. Yep. Absolutely. Tyler, Tyler so I'm this so is glad this is the best part of your day. <laughs> I love it. Tyler played for it. me at Concord Christian school in uh, dear old Knoxville, Tennessee. And we're, we're blessing somebody today. It's like I tell my daughter, you know, you just need to make it your goal today to bless somebody. So <laughs> bless one person today. So my, my work today is done. Well, and normally, so here, here's the thing. Rustin is, you know, Rob is the, the president and CEO uh, and founder of Affinity Recruiting and Consulting. Uh, and just so everybody knows, you can find them at affinitytoday.com. They're actually recently featured in the USA Today, uh, which is awesome. Um, Rustin is the president of the consulting division of Affinity Recruiting and Consulting. And so having like, you know, two higher ups at Affinity Today, I, I, think, I think we can say that unofficially that affinity recruiting consulting is sponsoring today's episode uh that, that, i think that's a fair assessment um, absolutely 
checks in the mail. And Rob, let's be let's be honest. For us to ask you his questions here, let's let's be honest. You have accomplished some awesome stuff. Uh, I mean, my goodness, you got to play basketball at the University of Tennessee. You were an athletic director. You're still a head high school basketball coach. Uh, you're the founder and CEO of a very successful uh, organization that was. Yeah, let me tell you the USA story. Today. Of, uh, let me tell you the story of Concord Christian football. Probably my greatest feat as an athletic director. Anyway, I'm interrupting. Continue. I'm sorry. I don't want to tell that story. <laughs> oh, I thought, oh, okay. I was like, I was excited there for a second. Um, but you know, of all those things, you know, featured. Uh, as in soon USA as he today, started that, as soon as he started that, I was cringing. I was like, oh, please stop, please stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, all those things. Let's be honest. This moment right now is the pinnacle of your career. I mean, let, let, absolutely. It, this is the this is the mountaintop right here, Rob. Uh, we are so thankful that I was going to use. Yes. <laughs> um so we are we are so thankful that you're here uh rustin's got some excellent questions for you you go, you go right ahead rustin well the most important one is in the last 48 hours have you entered the transfer portal <laughs> you know with the covid year i might have a year of eligibility left <laughs> i think so yeah i think you could do it all right so in all seriousness so you did play for Conzo and you played for Bruce. You can probably be more juxtaposed different there. Um, when you when you try to think through the differences between Conzo Martin and Bruce Pearl, just dealing with them on a day-to-day basis, what are the ideas or thoughts that come to your mind when you describe those two individuals? Yeah, I mean, they certainly uh, couldn't be any more opposite. You know, you asked me to think about Coach Martin stories and, you know, the best way I could sum up Coach Martin is there aren't any stories, you know. I mean, he just kind of showed up and did his thing every day, you know. And um, he he and his coaching staff would would joke around together and have a good time, you know, maybe during water breaks at practice or something. But, you know, he was very much uh, regimented. He was the same every day. Um, Coach Pearl was certainly the opposite of that. Um Things got interesting pretty often. You never knew what was going to happen. Uh, occasionally, he enlisted Pat Summit to come stare at us to get us to behave better in practice. Um, like, for real? Seriously? Yes, literally. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah. She would just walk over from the other court at Pratt Pavilion and stare at us. And we would look at her and be like, dang. All right. <laughs> Time to get serious. And... Um, so did she ever even speak or did she just glare at you? The glare did it. <laughs> like she's staring into your soul. When you're when you're horsing around in the layup drill and everybody's bricking 360 dunks and then she's just staring at you, it's like, oh yeah, I guess this is actually serious. <laughs> and, you know, schematically they were complete opposites too. You know, Coach Pearl wanted to run and gun and have fun. Coach Martin wanted to make the other team guard you for the first 32 seconds of the shot clock and then shoot and play a game in the sixties. Every time I, every time I think of Conzo Martin, I, I flash back on that scene and remember the Titans where he's like zero fun, sir. Yeah, that's a good description. <laughs> yep. So I know you said Conzo, there weren't really any stories because he was pretty much the same all the time. But is there any one event or any one thing that stands out that you're like, 
in all my time with Conzo Martin, that's the one thing could, could be funny. Could be just, you know, a memorable moment. But mm. one thing that you're like, that's the one thing that stands out to me about coach Martin. I guess not really, but I, you know, there is one moment that comes to mind with one of his assistant coaches. Uh, I don't know what the uh, TV rating level is for this podcast, but yeah, well, we'll get to that when we talk about our Bruce Pearl stories. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if this is like a five-second delay. It could be censored or anything, but um, there was one assistant coach I really didn't get along with. He's maybe nervous and maybe uncomfortable all the time. And, um, and then there was one day we were at Ole Miss, and it was shoot-around, and I was going through drills, and he just was, like, making fun of me. And it – Really, I don't know. That was the day that I just kind of snapped. I just called him a bitch. And it was weird. Like, I kind of expected him to, you know, flip out and make me run and stuff. But the exact opposite happened. He just kind of went silent and then treated me with more respect for the rest of the season. So, <laughs> life is unpredictable. How much, how much bigger were you than him? He was actually a pretty big guy. I mean, he was a former Division One player himself. So, uh, no, it was a risky move. <laughs> <laughs> risky at best. I thought maybe he was gauging wingspan, and he was like, if this dude actually swings, I'm not going to be able to get out of the way. So I probably need to back off. He had seen that photo of me that Evan just shared. That's right. He yes. to play it cool. <laughs> That's exactly right. I love the fact that that photo was also followed up by the very next photo of you in a, a suit and tie, very business professional. And, and that was good. Yeah, sure. Thanks. All right. So let's flip it the other direction and yeah, let's try to stay PG. Um, you know, I know that's going to be difficult with Bruce. Um, just, just for full disclosure, for people's knowledge, I was involved in a secondary violation with Bruce many, many years ago. Um, it's in the NCAA handbook. You can look it up. You're not the only person. Yeah, I'm sure there were a lot of us. Um, But uh, but um, from, you know, as you think back on the time with him and and, you know, wildly successful, kind of defied the odds, honestly, um, because the things he did, you're like, there's no way this should be working. Um, You know, what 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 kinds of things come to mind? What were events that you're like, holy cow, I can't believe we did that or holy cow, I can't believe he just did that. Yeah, I mean, you know, we we got some wins that we shouldn't have gotten. And and, and Coach Pro really did put Tennessee basketball on the map as a relevant program. We I mean, we had been mired in the Buzz Peterson era for a long time. And, you know, we came on the scene as a team that mattered. And, you know, I was only with Coach Pearl for one year. Um, and I had to sit out because I had transferred from Lipscomb, so I didn't go on all the road trips. And I didn't, you know, so I wasn't – I was really just a practice guy that year. Um, so I probably missed out on some of the biggest moments – certainly missed out on some of the biggest moments of his tenure at Tennessee. Um, but – no, he, he was fun. You know, he, he expressed a whole lot of gratitude for me joining the team. And I don't know if he really meant it or not, but it made me feel really good at the time. He said that it was a blessing from God to be able to get a, a big man with Division One experience to walk on and to show up unexpected. And so I was like, hey, well, 
you're the only one that's called me a blessing from God today. So <laughs> I like that. And, <laughs> Be a blessing, um, yeah, I feel I, I'm always up for being a blessing. Um, but then, no, it was certainly always interesting. Y- you know, he was funny because he would fly off the handle at random times and in different ways. He one time apologized to me like 10 seconds after he just blew up on me for no reason. And then he came back literally 10 seconds. He was like, I'm sorry, man. I don't know what that was. That was too much. I was like, thanks, man. That's nice. Um, probably the, the funniest single comedy he ever made is when he got suspended for that Georgia game and had to watch from home some like 19 year old student reporter with gel in his hair. Uh, and you know, some, <clears throat> interesting i don't know he's just a shy little kid shy little kid may have still had braces pretty sure he did and he um he's like so coach uh what do you think you'll be doing uh during the georgia game tonight while the game's being played and he just goes i don't know bud probably having sex with my wife (laughs) (laughs) and the kid just like stares And so many of the quotes that he had just were never printed or published. Like that kid wasn't going to take that back to his journal. (laughs) And so, you know, moments like that just got lost. I'm glad I can share them today. Probably the, I mean, the meanest thing that he ever said was we had a kid, there was like two or three guys who were um, just practice players. And I don't know why we had them because we had, 12 or 14 people on the team. I don't know why we needed two or three more practice guys, maybe to have three teams of five or something. But there were three guys that were his students who would show up for practice. And um, some days they'd be there. Some days they weren't. I mean, they're good basketball players. I'm sure they were really good high school basketball players. Mm -hmm. And um, there was this one kid. And I mean, like, he didn't have to be there. He was not getting anything in exchange for being there. He was in a film session. And just sitting there for like an hour and a half watching film, bored out of his mind. It's game film. He's not in the film. It's not practice film. He's just (laughs) sitting there watching his breakdown game film, stop and start every four seconds. Super boring. And uh, so he's sitting there. He's in the back row. He has a glass eye, side (laughs) note. But he falls asleep. And Coach Pearl turns the lights on just in a rage for some reason and picks him out in the back row, not even a player on the team, and just goes, hey, you only got one good eye. You better keep it focused on me. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> and Steven, his son, in the moment. Oh, we, just, can get, we can get to him in a second. Sure. Well, he just goes, what the hell, Dad? <laughs> This kid doesn't have to be here. Like, shouldn't even be here in this film session. If he wants to sleep, he can sleep. He's probably tired. And, uh, Steven was a player at the then, time. He wasn't an assistant coach, right? Oh, no, no, no. So, and this was, Steven was on the team at the time. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. And then, like, 30 minutes later, as practice is starting, he did, like, pull Corey and poor kid to the front of practice and just profusely apologize. (laughs) Anyway, you asked for two things. So there's two things. So, so you did play with Steven. Um, There's been a lot made of Steven over the years afterwards. He's kind of been a real polarizing individual 
any anything that stood out from your time with Steven, everybody that I know who knows him is not a huge fan. So I'm not going to repeat any of the stories they've told me about him. But um, is there anything that you are able to share that, you know, it's like, holy cow, I can't believe this dude did this. You know, Steven doesn't like me. I don't like Steven. <laughs> and I think that anything further than that is kind of in the, uh, if you don't have anything nice to say, then don't say yeah. it in the situation. So we it is amazing. It is amazing when I talk to people who have been around that program or around him as an assistant coach, how many people have that exact same response. It's like, yeah. I just can't even talk about that guy. Well, and then we've had mutual connections or friends that will ask him about me and he'll say negative things about me. Like <laughs> we're both in our thirties and it's like, we like, we weren't friends. We didn't talk. We didn't do it. I didn't like, we just didn't have very much interaction. I mean, we almost did get in a fight on my very first practice ever at Tennessee. Um, we, we started chirping really hard and almost fought each other. And I literally, it was like my first day in practice, smooth move, getting a fight with the coach's son on day one. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, after that, we just never saw each other or talked to each other. And uh, so, you know, it, whatever. We're done. So, so not only me... did you play with Stephen Pearl, but you got to play with a well-known rap artist. Ronaldo Woolridge, aka, AKA. Swiper Boy. Hey, he's rock and rolling now. So, how how many years did you play with Swiper Boy? Um, I think the whole time. I think three years. Yeah. Um, did he ever but, like freestyle in the locker room or anything? He did, and he's good. He's really good. Y'all got private no, concerts mean, right there, man. He, uh, we actually were pretty good buddies. Um. We spent some serious time together. I mean, of of guys on the team, he might have been my closest friend. I mean, I even he and a couple other guys came down on spring break to um, Lindsay, my wife, who was then my girlfriend. Her grandparents had a condo at the beach, and you know, Ronaldo and a couple other guys came down to the beach with us for spring break one year. So, um, you know, we spent a lot of time together. I I love that guy. That's He's cool. hilarious. And, and he really is good at rapping. And some of the stuff he's put out is ridiculous, but a lot of it is actually pretty darn good. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, so you mentioned, you've already kind of mentioned this year's team a little bit. Um, I would imagine potentially playing for Deacon Barnes might be a little bit different than playing for Bruce Pearl. Yeah. But, yeah that's probably fair. That's probably yeah. fair. Um, when you saw them play in the Battle for Atlantis this year in three straight days, and they come off with three – Really impressive wins, especially over Kansas. My goodness, that was a great win. What were your impressions of that team coming out of the battle for Atlantis this year? I mean, they look amazing. They're just – they're huge physically. I mean, I would be like the sixth tallest player on the team. Um, they – I mean, to have multiple seven-footers who are competent can play in the game now, we got to get my – Buddy Euros to stop dribbling the basketball. But <laughs> uh, to have multiple competent seven footers, um, the physicality that they play with, the hustle they play with, their defense is unbelievable. I can't imagine trying to score on this Tennessee team. That must suck. I mean, you got scrappy guards everywhere. You got at least one seven footer around the rim at all times. 
Um, they're physical. They try to turn the game into a street fight. Like, it's a tough defensive team. And you got some threats on offense as well. When you when you watch them, because a lot of people a lot of people watch a game and they don't really understand the internal workings of what's happening on the court. When when you're watching them, what are the things that they do that you're like? If you were on the opposing sideline and you're a coach facing them, what are the things that they do that you're like, nope, don't like that? Um, <laughs> to I, borrow I, from Michael Scott, nope, right. don't like that. About the Sabre canteens, yes, I use that quote all the time. Um, <laughs> all right. If I was an opposing coach going against the balls, it's just, I mean, you you got to focus on stopping them and boxing out because you're just not going to score a ton of points. I mean, you can draw up whatever you want to draw up, but a team that's able to pressure the ball like that on the perimeter and then have the rim protectors that they have and play as physically as they do and rebound as well as they do, you're just not going to get to 80. I don't really care who you are now. Maybe they're on an off night. They're not playing hard. You get to 80 or you're able to get out and transition a lot. You're able to get a lot of points off turnovers. I mean, if I were strategizing to coach against them, I would pressure the length of the court the whole game. I would do multiple press packages, man zone, you know, some, some matchup zone, just try to change it up in the backcourt, do anything you can to get some turnovers and some live ball turnovers and some transition opportunities. Cause man, once you settle in to trying to score in the half court against their set defense, you better hit some threes. Cause I don't know how else you're really going to consistently manufacture points. So you got time for at least one more question. I got, yeah. I got one more question for you. All right, so I, I, as we all know, Vol, especially Vol Twitter, is known for its even keel and <laughs> um, their rationality and uh, composure. Uh, of course, nobody really flies off the handle on Vol Twitter ever. Right. When I think Vol, so, when I think Vol Twitter, the first thing that comes to mind is poise. Yes, absolutely. That's a good word for it. Yes, poise. Um, sometimes, sometimes Vol Twitter has been accused of being maybe having some conspiracy theories about how the media views Tennessee, this kind of stuff. And so something happened this morning and I just want to, I want to recap what's happened the last week in Tennessee athletics. And then I want to ask you a question. If you saw this kind of thing when you were in school at Tennessee. So within the last week, here's what's happened. When the final uh, college football playoff rankings were released, Alabama was ranked higher than Tennessee, despite head-to-head and every other criteria, even though um, Florida State was ranked ahead of LSU because of head-to-head, and Oregon State was ranked ahead of Oregon because of head-to-head. So even though those criteria were used for those teams, that was not used for Tennessee, Alabama. And a lot of people were like, what's up with that? Then Hendon Hooker is named the SEC Offensive Player by the Year by the Associated Press and the coaches in the SEC. But he was not a Heisman finalist. Uh, Josh Heupel was named Coach of the Year in the SEC, but he was not included in the list of finalists for the national award. Which is eight coaches 
So just with all that, you could kind of already think that's in one week. That does seem kind of shady. Well, then here's what happened this morning. So this morning, by the way, the Bolitnikoff Award and the Maxwell Award, all those major awards are being handed out tonight in New York City. Um, Hendon Hooker was a finalist for the Maxwell Award. Uh, Jalen Hyatt was a finalist for the Bolitnikoff Award, which is given to the best wide receiver in the country. Those are handed out tonight on ESPN. This morning, an ESPN college football national analyst uh, on ESPN's website was answering who he thought should win each award. Now, Bill Martin is the communications guy for uh, the football team, and he is awesome. Uh, so we've, we've shown his tweets on here before. I'm going to show you a tweet from him today, actually. Uh, this happened this morning. So this he screenshotted the the uh, the article, and the guy said that Marvin Harrison Jr. should win the award uh, because the three finalists are Jalen Hyatt, Marvin Harrison Jr. from Ohio State, and Xavier Hutchinson from Iowa State. And he said Marvin Harrison should win it because his tw- one of the reasons was his twelve receiving touchdowns were tied for the national lead. Now. <laughs> Bill Martin said, actually, <laughs> Jalen Hyatt's 15 receiving touchdowns for Vol football this season were actually tied for the national lead with Houston's, uh, I can't remember the gentleman's first name, last name, Dell. The 15 were three better than the next closest Power 5 player. So this ESPN national analyst guy didn't even know who the, the leading receiver in the country were. Now, here's, here's why I find this interesting. It took me th- like five seconds to just Google who's leading the country in, in touchdowns. And up at the very top, it says Nathaniel Dell, Houston, Jalen Hyatt, Tennessee, 15. Then there's another guy from UTSA who's at 14. And then there's a three-way tie for third. And Marvin Harrison Jr. is there. So then this morning, man, Twitter was blowing up. Like, if you don't think the, that it, the, the jig is up, man, you know, these people already got it planned. They're already, pr- like, promoting this false narrative and that kind of stuff. So one of two things happened this morning. One of two things happened. Either the guy that wrote this article is such a terrible journalist that he didn't even take five seconds to fa- fact check himself. <laughs> or he was intentionally pushing a false narrative. Now, I don't think he was intentionally pushing a false narrative. But I do think the dude is an absolutely terrible journalist that he didn't even know. There's only three guys on the list. I mean, just Google how many touchdowns does this guy have? How about this guy? How about this guy? And that's all he had to do. And he, and he still messed it up. So all of those things combined that now they're even presenting, you know, wrong information about Jalen Hyatt, the day of the award, all of those things combined, Vol Twitter was going nuts this morning. And they're like, it's in, it's already, they've already, you know, pushing this false narrative, whatever. So as a player, not as a fan, you can answer that too, if you want, but as a player, um, do you think there was ever any national media bias against Tennessee? And now as a fan, do you think that's the case? As a player, no. And 
as a fan, yes, but not because I have a different perspective, but because time has passed and things have changed. You know, there's not a conspiracy, but the media is made up of people who are human beings and who have been relentlessly mocked, attacked, vilified by Vol fans for years now, starting really with the Greg Schiano mess. And that really was the catalyst to me that set the media and Tennessee fans on opposite journeys for the rest of their lives. And ever since then, you know, yeah, it's been, it's been a battle from people who hate each other, not to mention that most members of the media are liberal thinkers and most Tennessee fans are quite the opposite of that. <laughs> so you really have uh, quite a situation here. You just have two groups of people that hate each other, the national sports media and Tennessee fans, and they're going to dig at each other however they can. And does that play into those media members analysis of Tennessee sports? Absolutely. It does. And that's my real take on the whole thing. I, I would, um, I would add that I don't have a ton of respect for ESPN for a whole host of reasons. I've really switched over to the athletic, which I find to be better for uh, a great number of reasons. I really don't even look at ESPN anymore. Yeah. I hadn't seen that till just now. Evan mentioned it earlier and asked if I'd seen it and I hadn't. Um, I definitely don't think that was intentional. I think it's just really bad journalism because all you have to do is turn on ESPN any time of the day. And it is amazing how many people are on that screen who have no idea what they're talking about. And, and yeah. they're just, they're just trying to get clicks and they're doing anything they can to show online engagement so they can continue to, to jump up ad sales um oh their twitter account is so obnoxious i unfollowed it. it's literally just like you know some tight nba game is is decided you know late in the fourth quarter but the only thing they show is some dunk from the second quarter with a celebration right. after it's just like oh my gosh right it's like their their social media accounts are run by high school kids is what it looks like mm -hmm. well they know that's who their target audience is um, yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're running everything to who they think is actually watching them, you yeah. know, um, it, it, as a player. So I, I think another way to ask that question that would be interesting as a player, how much would you say players in the locker room actually even pay attention to the national media? That's a great question. Yeah, that is a great question. I, I think it all depends on the player. I think the more immature ones pay a whole lot of attention. I think there's guys like Tobias Harris who couldn't tell you one word that's been written about him from the start of the season to the end of the tournament. Yeah. And, you know, the guys who don't pay attention to the media are the guys that approach this thing like it's a business. The guys that do pay attention to the media are just not as mature. So it varies player to player. Now, if there's something that is, you know, bulletin board material that talks about the team as a whole and, you know, this team is not as good as, you know, the reputation they've gotten, you know, something like that gets shared, then, yeah, that gets passed around the locker room, but um, not too often. Yeah. I mean, hey, 
if if Hyper wants to take a page out of Saban's playbook, he can use this whole thing as a chip on the shoulder for the balls to mm-hmm. off of for years to come. Yeah, I would love to go down to the Orange Bowl and boat race Clemson and then in the post-game press conferences, all the players and coaches just talk nothing about or only talk about showing up the rankings. Um, that would be that would be pretty stinking awesome. I yes. think the other thing I think the other thing that happens is Vol Twitter is really, really bad about attacking the national media. And then Kirk Herbstreet, for example, he'll go on game day and make some statement pro Tennessee. And all of a sudden, all these people jump on his bandwagon and all is forgiven and he's wonderful now. And then a week later, he picks Vandy to win and they all just go nuts on him again. (laughs) Um, You know, it's it's so wishy-washy and it's so back and forth. You know, like you said, they're human beings. And at some point, it's got to get old. Um, You know, especially the people who go online and post pictures of, I was blocked by Dan Walken. Okay, so you're publicly admitting you're a jerk. Like, <laughs> what? What good is that? It's um, a weird flex, <laughs> right? Well, Rob, we so appreciate you joining us today. And I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but you now have a new title that you can add to your resume of, of great things: founder, CEO, honorary bro. Uh, that is something that you can add now. That is a big deal, man. And Most hey, we people take... put it at the top of the resume. Yes. Hey, we take care of our folks. So in in that font, you have to you have to use the font. <laughs> yes. it's, it's a brand guideline. Yes. Sounds like best practices to me. Mm-hmm. Yes. And hey, we're get, we're even gonna send you a shirt, man. Like we're 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 gonna give you this shirt because uh, you are now an honorary bro. So when we finish, you just hang on and tell me what size and. <laughs> I'll redo that post for you guys in, in honor of the t-shirt. I knew immediately what you're doing as soon as you did that. <laughs> um, we, we will send you that. And, hey, if you wanted to wear that around and tell people all about the podcast, that'd be cool, too. I mean, I'm just saying. But um, if, you want to send, if you want to, like, give a Swiper Boys, you know, info, what he wants to wear one in the next music video he does, we'll send him one of those, too, man. <laughs> okay. Love it. But we so appreciate you joining us. Seriously, taking time out of your day. We know you got a lot going on, so we really appreciate it. Um, for all of you who got to watch this today, uh, we'll probably take snippets of it and put it out on on uh, YouTube Shorts and on, on smaller videos. Uh, please share this with with every, all your friends. This is a fun podcast, man. We we're just two Vol Bros, and every once in a while we get some honorary Bros on here too, and we enjoy uh, talking. And so, uh, I can all things Vols absolutely like like this video please uh subscribe to the channel share this stuff and and uh and today is the last day uh on vol thevolbros.com that you can find all kinds of apparel and gear for 10 percent off and you can still get it in time for christmas if you order today for example we got this battered vol syndrome survivor shirt on there uh you know i mean we got we got tons of stuff on there that you can the new TriStar logo. The new TriStar logo looks great. Thank you. I, I I love it. It's it's really good. We got a, a state outline with a TriStar logo in the middle. Um, we got some good looking stuff on there. So so check it out. TheVolBros.com, and we will s- see everybody soon. We hope everybody has a great weekend ahead of you. Go Vols! Thank you, Rob. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a blast.